Well, good afternoon, man. I am excited about this series that we've been doing this last couple of weeks called 5, 10, 15, 20. So everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them 5, 10, 15, 20. Man, y'all are good. Y'all can count by fives, man. That's awesome. And yet that's not what this series is really all about. In fact, in July, every, every July, we set aside the month for Bible month. And what we do in the month of July here at LifeGate is we really put a focus on God's word and the power of God's word in our lives and how it can change and transform us. We just devote the month of July to learning how to read the scripture and learning how to memorize scripture and apply it in our lives as well as get it to people around the world who don't have access to it. And so in the month of July, we actually have four goals for this series, and that's where the 5, 10, 15, 20 kind of come into play. The four goals go like this. The five, everybody say five. The five is this, is that through this month, what we are doing is we are memorizing together five scriptures that every single week I'm giving you a scripture, we're kind of preaching on that scripture, and then I'm just challenging everybody throughout this month to memorize these five scriptures. In fact, last week we had one. How many of you memorized your scripture last week? Did good. A few of you did good. If you know it, say it with me. It's found in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2 and 3. It says, guard my words as your most precious possessions, write them down and also keep them deep within your heart. Some of you are just moving your mouth, just pretending like you had it memorized. If you didn't, you can work on it this week. And so that was last week's scripture. And so five is for memorized five scriptures. And then the 10, everybody say 10. The 10 is this, is that we just challenge everyone to spend 10 minutes every day reading your Bible. And you can read whatever you want. You can read Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, whatever you want to do. But just every day during the month of July to spend 10 minutes reading your Bible. How many did good on that this week? Raise your hand. How many didn't do so good on that? Raise your hand. All right, everybody look at them and just say, shame, shame, shame on you. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of messing. If you didn't do good, you can start over. I mean, you don't have to go, oh, I blew it and I can't can't do it. No, start this week, 10 minutes every day, just spending some time reading the scripture. And then the 15 is this, is that we have challenged every family. Everybody say every family. Every single family in the church to be involved in this by giving 15 fire Bibles. Now, some of you go, what is a fire Bible? Well, a fire Bible is a project that we do every single summer that it just helps us. It's a, it's a program that helps to translate Bibles into languages that don't have the Bible in their translation. And so we found out that there are over 300 major languages in the world that still do not have the Bible translated into their native language. And so as a church, we just made it our goal to do our part to translate these Bibles and to be a part of that. And so a fire Bible costs $10 to translate. And so what we've challenged everyone to do, every single family in the church to translate 15 Bibles, that amounts to $150 for every family. I know some of you are going, I can't do $150. Well, guess what? We probably spend about that much on coffee. If you go to Starbucks every day, that's about how much you spend. Just, I mean, you can do it. I believe everyone, and some of you could even do more than that. The five is we're going to memorize five scriptures. 10 is we're going to spend 10 minutes a day in the Bible. 15 is we're going to make sure and give 15 Bibles per family to Fire Bible. And at the end of this month on July the 31st, we're going to come together and bring our Fire Bible offering. And here's the 20 is that we believe that in the month of July as a church, we're going to raise $20,000 for Fire Bible. Come on. How many believe we can do that, right? 
And we're going to do this together. It's incredible. Just this last week, we were at the Fire Bible Conference, and they were telling us that we are now at about 9.3 million Fire Bibles that have been translated. And this year, we're believing we're going to go over the 10 million mark. Isn't that cool? 10 million Bibles that have been distributed through Fire Bible, and we get to be a part of that. So that's what we're going to do. How many would say, I'll help with that. I'll be a part of that, right? All right, so let's just dive into this. This week, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. It's found in Psalm 119. So everybody turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. And here's what we're going to do for our, for our scripture for this week. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some options. How many like to have options? Right? All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to be a good pastor. I'm giving you options. And what we're going to do is you have the option of what you're going to memorize. You can either memorize the long option or the short option. I know some of you, you know, you're underachievers. You're just going to do the short thing. And some of you, you're like the OCD overachiever type people. And you're going to do the whole thing. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to read it all together. And then you can decide which part you're going to memorize. So let's put it on the screen. Psalm 119 verse 9. Everybody say it out loud with me today. It says, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some of you are going to memorize the whole thing. Some of you just that last part, I have hidden your word. Some of you, you memorized that when you were a kid, so you need to do more than that. Come on, step it up, right? And here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to memorize and put this scripture into our heart. And right now we're going to talk about it. In fact, last week we started talking about how the benefits of memorizing the scripture and why it's important that we get God's word into our hearts. And one of the things we talked about last week is that it's so important to have God's word in our heart because it gives us a weapon. Everybody say weapon. Gives us a weapon to fight against temptation that comes our way. And so today what I want to do is I just want to talk about how do we use God's word as a weapon? How do we use God's word to help us to fight the temptations and the battles that come our way to do the right thing? And so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to give you three tips on how to use God's word when you're facing temptation. But before we get to that, we got to lay just a little bit of groundwork and we kind of have to understand what temptation temptation is and how temptation kind of works in our lives. So let me just give you a little bit of background on this this morning. If you're taking notes, we'll just talk about three things. The first thing is this, write this down, is that everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone is tempted. How many would agree with that, right? Like how many of you this week you face some temptations? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you this morning you face some temptations? Some of you face the temptation not to fall asleep during the sermon right now. But here's the deal. Everybody faces temptation. In fact, this is what the scripture says about it in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Here's the deal. If you are a mankind or a womankind, if you are a human being this morning, you have and will face temptation. It is a common thing. In fact, here's what I want you to see. You might want to write this down. You are not alone in temptation. How many ever been there before where like you're being tempted and you don't want to do the right thing and you've got this temptation and whatever. And have you ever been there where you're going, man, I just feel like I'm the only one that's ever faced this. Come on. You ever felt like that before? Like nobody else knows what I'm going through. And sometimes you think, how can I overcome this? Cause it's so much bigger than what anybody else has gone through. But the scripture tells us you're not alone. In fact, temptation is something that every single one of us 
face from the beginning of time until now. And so when you start thinking, well, I'm the only one that's ever faced this kind of temptation, you just need to remember that people have been facing and overcoming that temptation since the beginning of time. You're not alone. But notice this, write this down. Not only are you not alone in temptation, but you are not above temptation. You know, some of us, here's the way we look at it, is we go, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's talking about that today, because, I mean, I saw somebody over there that really needs to hear about this, but not me. Come on, anybody ever been there like that before? Or, like, you look at someone else who keeps messing up and falling into the same sins and stuff, and you're like, man, I see what they're doing, but I would never do that, and I'd never fall to that, and I'm above that. But you know what the Bible says that we need to watch out for? Is that when we start thinking, in fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, if you think you are standing firm, be what be careful that you do not fall here's the deal when we start thinking well i'm a good christian and i'm up here and i'm above temptation guess what you better watch out because saying i'll never fall you know what that is that's famous last words you know anybody ever heard famous last words of a redneck here hold my beer watch this you know i mean you know, here's the way a lot of Christians are. Like, I'm never going to fall. In fact, I remember kind of a redneck guy in the Bible, a guy named Peter, who said, well, Jesus, I'll never deny you. Even if everyone else falls, I'll never fall. And then what happens a few hours later? Here, guys, watch this. You know what I'm saying? And here's the truth is that many of us, we get to this place where we think, well, I'm above it. And, I'm, and man, I'm not going to. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says it's common to mankind. And if you think that you are above it, guess what? Watch out because you're about to, about to fall. Everyone is tempted. Number two, write this one down. Temptation is not a sin. Look what the scripture says in Hebrews 4 and verse 15. It says, for if we do not, or for we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has what? Who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet what? He did not sin. See, sometimes when we face, when we face temptation, what we start to think is, how many ever like struggled with the temptation? And then you start feeling like this guilt, like, why am I struggling? struggling with this. Come on. You ever been there? Like you start thinking these thoughts in your mind. Like if I was a good Christian, I wouldn't be struggling with this temptation. I wouldn't be having this problem. It wouldn't be so hard if I was a good Christian and and whatever. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says even Jesus was tempted. It's not, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to act on that temptation. And so even Jesus was tempted and yet he did not sin. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you weren't going in the right direction, the enemy wouldn't be trying to tempt you to go in another direction. And so you have to understand that, hey, just because I'm being tempted doesn't necessarily mean that I have sinned. But you also have to be careful about this because some of you could go, okay, cool, like temptation is not a sin. Well, I'll just go ahead and hang out with those guys. I'll just go ahead and go to the bar or the club or the whatever. And you know what? That's not sinful. You know what it is? It's stupid. Like I should say it a little nicer. Maybe it's not using wisdom, you know. But the truth of the matter is we can't just go, well, it's okay to be tempted. And so as long as I don't do it, I can be around and whatever. No, no, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be wise. So we have to understand that temptation in itself is not a sin. Number three, write this one down. And this is where we're going to go with the rest of this message is this, is that God has given us his word. Everybody say his word, his word to help us to fight temptation. If we're really going to battle and win this battle of temptation, we have to understand how temptation really kind of works. And here's how it works. When the enemy 
tempts us to do things that we know we shouldn't do. You know how many times he comes against us? His strategy is this, is he, he tries to get us to doubt God's word. He tries, to, he tries to take God's word and kind of maybe twist it or kind of just maybe manipulate it a little bit or spin it a little bit. In fact, this is the way it happened from the very beginning. You remember the story in Genesis? Remember what happened? God created heavens and the earth, created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden, this luscious garden, and he said, you can have anything in the garden that you want except for this one tree. Don't eat of the one tree. And you remember what happens? The serpent comes along and says, hey, why don't you eat from this tree? And they said, God did, said we couldn't have the tree. And in Genesis, 3.1. I want you to notice what the serpent says. He says, did God really say that? What did he do? He tried to take what God had said and try to, try to twist it, try to get him to doubt it, tried to get him to, to, to not really completely believe it, to spin it and manipulate it. You know, it's the same way God, the, the enemy works in your own life. When, when, you're, when you're facing temptation, you know what he'll do? He'll say, eh, did God really say that? I mean, you know, did God really say that you shouldn't, you know, look at that, look at that website? I mean, the Bible doesn't say nothing about websites. They didn't even have websites back in the day. It's okay, right? Come on, isn't that the way the enemy works? Like, did God really say not to live with your girlfriend before you're married? I mean, God would want you to love someone, and Jesus was all about love. That was his message, and you know, love and sex are kind of the same thing, and so just, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but isn't this what the enemy does in our minds? He puts these thoughts in our mind that take God's word and just kind of, just kind of twist it just a little bit so that it can be the thing that we really feel or the thing that we really, really want. And so in order to overcome this kind of temptation, if temptation is when the enemy twists the word of God in order to overcome it, what we've got to do is we got to know it. We got to get it in our heart. We got to we got to hide his word in our heart that we don't sin against God. We've got to decide, "Hey, this is how I can keep my life pure by living according to his word." In fact, that's why we're doing this whole series. That's why I'm challenging you to memorize scripture. It's why I'm challenging you to read it every day because temptation is going to come your way and the and the way to fight temptation is to have his word in your heart. So how do we how do we do this? Like how do we use God's word to help us to battle against temptation? Well, let me just give you just three kind of quick tips here this morning to help you. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one is this: is that we've got to feed on it. Everybody say, feed on it. We gotta we gotta feed on the word of God. Now I'm not literally saying you should eat the pages of God's word. In fact, I heard a story about an Egyptian king from centuries ago who actually believed that the Bible actually had some kind of mystical powers that he started taking the pages of the Bible and eating it. And then after he ate the whole book of second Kings, he died. That's not what I'm talking about for you. But here's what I am talking about. I'm talking about that God's word is spiritual food. Everybody say spiritual food. Spiritual food. In fact, the Bible just refers to itself in this way over and over and over. It says that we ought to crave the warm spiritual milk of the word of God. It says that God's word is the, the bread of life. It says that God's word is the spiritual meat that we, should, that we should feed on, that it brings the living water. And we see this over and over, that God's word is nutrients for our soul. It's nutrition for our spirit. And here's the deal. If you're going to go into battle, if you're going to fight a fight. You can't go in malnourished. 
You're going to get beat up every time. So here's what you've got to do. If you're going to win the battle, you've got to nourish yourself with the word of God. You've got to put it inside of you because what's inside of you is what's going to come out. In fact, if you're taking notes, just write, write this down. When you're filled with the right things, you won't fall into the wrong things. Come on, that was so good. Y'all should, I mean, tweet that out. Hashtag good preaching. Come on, that's... Because here's the deal, is that the truth is, like, if you're filled with the good stuff, then you're not going to be as tempted to do the bad stuff. And so what do we have to do? We have to get a hunger. We have to get, we have to get an appetite, a craving for the word of God so that we can, we can feed upon it so that it will nourish our spiritual bodies so that we can grow. In fact, this is what, this is what David was talking about in verse number 10. He says, I've tried hard to find you. I I like the way it says it in the message. It says, I'm single-minded in pursuit. It's like, it's like he says, hey, more than anything, this is what I crave. This is what I desire. This is my single-minded focus is, is to bring the word of God into my mind, into my heart, into, into my life. And here's, here's a spiritual principle that, that we all need to understand. Here's, here it is, is that what you feed is going to grow. And what you starve is going to die. Isn't that true? What you feed grows, and, and the things that you starve, they begin to shrink. In fact, uh, just help me out on this. How many of you like sugar? Come on. You like, you like to eat sugar? Come on. Some of the ladies raising their hand. I know my wife's raising their hand. You better raise your hand back there, babe, because I know she's got a sweet tooth. <laughs> And you know, have you noticed that the more sugar you have, the more you want? Have you noticed that? Like you start craving it. Like, you know, it's like you get a, you get a Krispy Kreme donut in the morning. And what's better than one Krispy Kreme donut? Two Krispy Kreme donuts, of course. And then when you have two, what do you want? You want three. And then you have three. And then you're like driving around looking for Krispy Kreme, little red light on so they'll be hot and whatever. And it's like the more you get, the more you crave it and the more you want it. But then when you start kind of cutting it out, you know, a couple of, a couple of years ago, I decided I want to get in a little bit better shape. And man, if you know me, I, I don't have a good diet at all. And I still don't have a good diet. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get up here and act like I do. But I do know that one thing that helped me when I started to try to get a little better shape was that I started to cut out the sugar and cut out, you know, that kind of stuff. And you know what I noticed? That the less of the sugar that I had, like instead of getting up in the morning and having a donut, I got up in the morning and had my healthy shake. Come on, that's good, right? And, and you know what happened? The less I had of the sugar, the less I really needed it. I really craved it, really wanted it, right? And then this last... You know, a couple weeks ago, we went on vacation and we had frozen yogurt. And then suddenly I want frozen yogurt every night. You know, I mean, because what you what you feed, it grows and what you starve, it shrinks. And it's the same thing in your spiritual life. It's a spiritual principle that if you feed your spirit, guess what's going to happen? Your appetite for that stuff is going to grow. But if you're constantly feeding your flesh, and this is the way most of us live, and it's the reason we keep falling into temptation over and over and over is because we over here, and we got our flesh over here that it, that is in conflict with our spirit. That's what the scripture says. And we got our flesh over here. And what are we doing, man? We're feeding it over and over with social media and with the news and with the music we're listening to and the book we're reading and the people we're talking to and the movies and the TV shows we're, we're watching. And we got this big old 300 pound gorilla over here that's our flesh. And then we've got this little 90 pound anemic little weakling of our spirit over here because we barely even given anything maybe once a month on Sunday. And then we wonder why the big old 300 pound gorilla is beating up the little 90 pound weakling and it's because we're feeding the gorilla and not feeding the spirits. 
And so if you want to overcome temptation, what do you have to do? You have to begin to feed the spirit and starve the flesh. You've got to have a hunger. And here's what happens is that appetites become attitudes and attitudes become actions. And the reason our actions are all messed up sometimes is, is because our appetites are wrong. We got an appetite for the things of the flesh, which then begin to become the attitude, become the way that we think because we're filling ourselves with the things that the world is saying. And then we begin to think like the world and it changes our attitudes. And then the way we think becomes the way that we act. And so if we want to change the way that we act, we got to start by changing the appetites that we have. What are the things that we are feeding to our spirit? Because when you feed your spirit, the word of God, the things of God, then guess what happens? The Bible says in Romans 12, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. When we focus on the scripture, it changes the way we think. It changes our attitudes. And then out of those attitudes come the actions that we live. So what do we got to do? Got to feed on it. In fact, I love what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. He says, for when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. He said, I fed upon the word of God until it became what I craved in my spirit. You're going to feed on it. Number two, write this one down. How are we going to use the word of God to overcome temptation? We're going to focus on it. Everybody say focus. Here's the deal about temptation. Really, most of the time, temptation comes down to focus. And if you're really going to overcome temptation, here's what you got to do. You got to redirect your focus. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Your life will move in the direction of your focus. Have you noticed that? Like, wherever, whatever you're focused on, whatever you're looking at, that's kind of the direction that you go. Like, when you go to, uh, when you go to driver's ed, some of you have teenagers that are learning how to drive. And you go to driver's ed, what do they tell you? Put your hand on the wheel, 10 and 2, you remember that. And then what do they say? They say, put your focus, put your eyes out a little bit down the horizon of the road. And why do they tell you that? Because they know that wherever you're looking, that's where you're going to go, right? And some of us, we've been driving for a while, and so we get distracted, you know. And then you're driving, and you see something over there or something over there and wherever you're looking what happens you start looking over there and then where's the car go it goes where you're looking until suddenly you're on the side of the road and it's going you know what I'm saying and it's like oh got to get back on the road and what happened we go where our focus is like in, in golf, I like golf, and so I got to use golf illustration every now and then. And so I think about it in golf, I'm standing on the tee box. You stand there on the tee box, and maybe there's water over here on the right-hand side. And so, so what do you do? You go naturally, you go, don't go in the water. So you're looking at the water, don't go in the water, don't go in the water, don't go in the water. Then you tee it up, and you hit the ball. Where's the ball go? In the water. Why? Because that's what you were focused on. And it's the same way in life. You know, some of us, here's how we try to battle temptation is we go, man, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna grip my teeth and I'm just gonna do it. And so I'm, just, I'm not gonna look at that girl in the bikini. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that drink. I'm not gonna take that drink. I'm not gonna take that drink. I'm not gonna say those words. I'm not gonna say those words. I'm not gonna say those words. And what happens is that's what we're focusing on. And then where do we go? We go where we were focused. So how do you really deal with temptation? Instead of focusing on the temptation, you put your focus on the word of God. That's why we're memorizing the scripture so that when the temptation comes, instead of focusing on, I'm not going to do this. Instead, I'm going to focus on what God has said. I'm going to bring to mind the things that he's said. In fact, this is what the scripture talks about in Psalm chapter 1. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the what? In the law of the Lord and who what? Who meditates on his law day and 
night. What's this talking about? It's talking about focus instead of focusing on what other people are saying or what other people are doing or focusing on don't do this and don't do that and all the negativity in the world and all of that kind of stuff. Instead of focusing on that, what am I going to do? I'm going to focus on God's word. And when I'm tempted to do something, I'm going to bring to mind what I have memorized. That's why we memorized that this week. I'm tempted, but how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I'm tempted, but you know what? I have hidden his word in my heart that I may not sin against God. And you focus, you meditate upon his word day and night. Some of you go, meditation. That sounds kind of weird. Like, does that mean we're going to go, hmm, and... What does, that, what does that mean? Like, I don't even know how to meditate. Yeah, you do. Everybody knows how to meditate. In fact, how many of you know how to worry? Come on, raise your hand if you know how to worry. You know what worry is? It's a form of meditation. Because you know what meditation is? Meditation is just focusing on something over and over. So worry is just, I'm focusing on the bad. I'm focusing on what could happen. Well, guess what? You can take that and flip it around instead of focusing on the worry or focusing on the fear or the temptation or the whatever it is that the enemy is bringing into your mind. You turn that around and you redirect your focus towards the word of God. Come on, this is powerful stuff. What are we going to do? We're going to feed on it. We're going to focus on it. Number three, write this one down. We're going to follow it. We're going to follow God's word. Here's what I know today is that God has given us his word to direct our lives. He's given us his word to show us where to go. In fact, our memory verse, I think it's for next week, is this, is that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so here's what we have to understand is that if we are following God's word, we will never be going in the wrong direction. If you are following God's word, here's what I know, is that God will not lead you into temptation. In fact, the scripture teaches us that in James chapter 1, it says that no one should say that God is tempting me, for God himself cannot be tempted, and he will not tempt. Here's the deal, is that if we are doing what God has said, it's not going to lead us into temptation, it's going to lead us away from temptation. So how do we deal with temptation? We get away from it. And how do we get away from it? By doing what God's word says for us to do. And so we follow it and we live it and we know. Here's what we have to understand. We know that if we do what God's word says, it's going to be what's best for us. It may not be what's easiest. It may not be what everybody else is doing. It may not be what we feel like doing. But in the end, his word is always going to lead us to what is best for us. So we follow it. Some may go, but man, those things in God's word are so, it seems like they're so restricting. And if I do God's word, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do something else. And here's what we got to, we got to trust in our heart and know that God didn't give us his word. He didn't give us these boundaries and give us give us these restrictions and all that stuff to keep something good from us. You know what he gave it to us for? To keep something bad from us. Like, I mean, when the word of God says, don't have sex before your marriage, it's not because God hates sex or that God doesn't want you to have pleasure or that God doesn't want you to have fun. No, 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 no. It's because he knows the pain and the problems and the struggles that can come in your family and in the family of others and in the lives as we, as we get outside of those boundaries. And so he put those boundaries there not to keep us from something, but to protect us from something. When we, when we 
read the word of God and it talks about staying away from lots of debt and things like that. It's not because God doesn't want you to have that car that you really want to have. and what. No, no, no. It's because God knows that whenever you get into a bunch of debt that it puts a burden on you and you got the car payment and you're anxious about and worried about and all that. It's not because God's trying to keep something from you. It's because he's trying to protect you from stuff. And so we have to understand that when temptation comes my way, it's the, the easy thing is to go, how do I feel and do what I feel like? Or what is everyone else doing and do what everyone else is doing? Or what have I always done and do what I've always done? But instead, when we're battling temptation, here's what we have to do. We have to go, what does God's word say? And then I do it even when it's, even when it's hard, even when it's not easy, because I trust that it may not be easy and it may even make things worse for a while. But in the end, it will be for my good. It's what's best for me. And so I decide I'm going to feed on God's word. I'm going to focus on it and I'm going to follow what it says. And I, I know some of you are here and you go, man, this, this is great, Pastor. I wish I'd have had this message last week because I already blew it. Like I was tempted and I messed up. And here's the good news is that even when you get off track, Like even when you get off of the path, his word is still there to light the path and to bring you back to him. And that's, man, that's good news today. All you got to do is trust it. All you got to do is obey it, apply it, put it in your life. And I'm telling you, it doesn't mean things won't be difficult sometimes, but it means that in the end, he'll take it and turn it all around and he'll use it for your good.